0: B98.5, 80s, 90s, and now Dr. Carlos Del Rio on the phone with us from Emory University as he joins us twice every week. Tuesday mornings, live at 7 o'clock, Thursday mornings, live at 7 at eight o'clock. He's like
1: our, he's Georgia's Dr. Fauci. Indeed, he is. First question, Kara.
0: Dr. Del Rio, I know they're t- uh, stepping up the testing like everybody's been calling for, but because they've had to kind of get these tests together so quickly, is there some fear that maybe they're throwing out some like false positives or false negatives?
2: Uh, there's, you know, there's always uh, that concern, there's always that fear. The uh, 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 no test is perfect. Uh, and we need to realize that that uh, that any test has false positives and false negatives. Mm-hmm. And you worry the most about the false negatives in a test like this because you could potentially, just because you're negative, it doesn't mean you don't have it. And we need to understand also the antibody tests that are being developed. Some antibody tests may be better than others. And we need to really look at them because you know, a test is not a test is not a test. So really understanding the testing is going to be really important.
0: And you guys are running some trials, some human trials over at Emory that I guess you were talking about this morning? Uh, yes, we,
2: we, we, we are. Uh, you know, Emory is a research university, and we are fortunate to be uh, leading in, in the area of infectious disease research. We're probably one of the best, if not, if not the best in the country in infectious disease research. We have a wonderful Vaccine center, so we really do the research all the way from the very basic research to the clinical. and I'm going to give you an example of that. Our basic scientists working with the virus in the, in the lab developed a, an, an antibody test against a specific part of the virus that is very important. And that test was then taken by our clinicians and our clinical researchers and turned into our tests that are now being used clinically uh, to, to test people for antibodies against COVID. And that's called what we call a laboratory-developed test. So, you know, you don't buy it commercially. You develop it in-house. But this Emory-developed test, I think it's a good example of how you take your research and, and bring it over to the patients, bring it over to the bedside. We're also doing research in treatment, and one of the most promising drugs, from Desavir is being tested at Emory. And we're also going to be doing multiple, we're doing already multiple other studies, including with hydrochloroquine and with other immunomodulators, like beteluzumab and others. And finally, we are one of the two sites in the entire world, which is doing the initial phase one study with the very promising vaccine from Modena Pharmaceuticals that is being tested through the NIH clinical Clinical uh, vaccine treatment and evaluation units. So so Emory is really a a prime place for research, and we're very honored to be contributing to, you know, again, it's going to be through research that we develop treatments and we develop a vaccine and we eventually conquer this disease.
0: And is there a race between Emory and other universities? Does Do you get a bonus if you're the first one that gets the vaccine?
2: You know, research is always competitive. It's a competitive sport, and, and we all get our juices going. You know, you want to get that research started up and running really quickly. You want to enroll patients. You want to, you want to be the first, and you want to be the one that is making the contributions, but also it's a team sport. So it's a little bit, think about, you know, football or any of your team sports. You know, if the team is working together, we're working together, but you still have the most guys still have, you know, the, the superstar, and you want to be there. So I think it's a combination of, of individual pride with team sport. And at this point in time, I think a lot of those, of a lot of us in infectious disease, I think more than ever, researchers are working on team sport. I mean, we, we're on the phone all the time. We're talking about initiatives. We're talking about ways to collaborate together. And we're trying to see how, working together, we can get to the, to the cure and the solution to the disease much faster than if we do it on our own, hey listen,
0: Americans have been dying for sports on television. Would you mind being televised? your work
2: we could you on from home. It, it could be fun right? I mean this could be i mean people this is a this is a, a very exciting sport, and I think we need to figure out how to how to uh, how to get people excited about about this this research. This huh? is a race to find a race to find a cure and a vaccine for this disease, and you have some of the brightest minds in the world working
1: on it america's got vaccines yeah, i can see it now um talk to real you talk about testing and uh it's expected today that the president's going to unveil uh these plans on how to open up the economy kind of piece by piece and one of those pieces is um ramping up testing getting testing um so the two-part question is do we have the availability like can people go get tested how are they going to ramp up testing and then what is the importance of everyone getting tested
2: I think ramping up testing is something that is happening, but it needs to even happen more. And again, you know, we can do it. It just is going to take some time. Part of it right now is really a throughput issue. I'll give you an example from here uh, where I am at Grady. Uh, You know, we have testing, we're doing it, but we have a machine that runs, you know, 80 tests, 90 tests every every eight hours. So you can run basically three cycles, right? In a 24 hour period, Mm -hmm. you can run three cycles of 90 tests, that's 270 tests. So can we do 500 tests? Sure we can, but we need another machine, right? Because mm-hmm. the machine capability is 270. And therefore, you need to order another machine. And it takes a while to get the new machine in and to plug it and to test it and to make sure it's running correctly. So that ramping up is exactly what that means. In other words, we're taking our current capability and we're ramping it up. I think a little bit like in the war when we started building planes and, and tanks and other things. You, you look where you start, and then you start ramping up to really do more and more. And eventually, you get to where you need to be. But the testing is going to be critical But it's not sufficient. You have to test people. You have to get the results to them right away. And then you have to get them isolated and you have to get them to investigate their contacts right away. Because this virus spreads so quickly that if you wait three, four, five days to get the results to the individual and to get that individual isolated, there's already been, you know, 15, 20 people infected during those five days. So we need to figure out a way to get the results to people literally immediately.
1: So is that how we can maybe start to think about reopening the country, is getting people tested, finding out if they're positive, and then immediately getting them into isolation?
2: Exactly. And and getting their contacts also controlled. So in other words, controlling little outbreaks like that is going to be critical. And I think part of it, you know, it's going to be also, I think we're going to still continue to have to wear masks for a while, and I think we're still going to have to do a lot of social distancing. You know, we're going to have to limit some big events, and at least for some time until we have a vaccine. But again, I think this is doable. I think this is so doable. The American people have done an incredible job limiting the spread of this disease.
0: My question is about the CDC director uh, who says that he's warning that we might see a resurgence next year and just kind of like the regular flu. So I wanted to know how this virus is different than any other virus. Like, have we decided that we should be more scared of this outbreak than we have any other
2: year? I would always be scared of viruses. I I, I think that, you know, the flu is scary. This little monster is 10 times scarier than the flu, right? Oh, wow. it's, it's more transmissible. It's more lethal. So this is the flu on steroids. So, yes, we need to be scare, scared. But I think, more importantly, we need to be respectful and we need to take it seriously. You know, Dr. Redfield says we may see a resurgence. Yes, we may. You know, we may also see multiple other things. I don't want to worry that much about the future. I want to worry about the present. I want to get over this episode right now and then and then see what we need to do. But the reality is, even if we have a resurgence, the resurgence is not going to be what we're seeing right now. The resurgence is going to be different because we're going to have testing. We're going to have things that we currently don't have. So, again, think about think about the resurgence as, as yes, it's going to happen, but it's not going to be the same. And I think we need to don't... Panic as a result of this. We need to to be strategic. We need to plan. We need to get prepared. I think you know we're going to be more prepared next time, so it's going to be less impactful. But it's going to be is it going to happen? Very likely.
0: Uh, You talked about it being ten times more lethal or strong than the regular flu. And Drex, you had asked a question about. The uh, the lab, whether or not this was developed oh, in a lab. Right? Yeah, so uh, Dr.
1: Del Rio, there's uh, articles now floating around that in Wuhan, like this virus was created just to see if they could create it. And I'm not going to ask you whether you know there's like a conspiracy theory or anything like that. But the question is, can, it, does a lab have a, an ability to create a virus like this?
2: It could be, but the reality is, the best lab out there, it's called nature, mm. yeah. and okay. nature has the ability to recombinate and to create very, very aggressive virus. We don't need a lab. The lab out there is called Nature. And the reality is, these viruses live in animals, live in... in, And I think our way of doing things, I think if you can say one thing about what caused the outbreak and what needs to be looked at, is the so-called wet markets in China. These are places where, you know, animals and bats and other things uh, live together, come together, get close to humans. And it's at those places that you can see the recombination of viruses, and then you can see those viruses jump into humans. And the reality is, is that is how a lot of these infections are happening. We as humans, you know, have impinged to the ecosystem. And this is causing a lot of the outbreaks we're seeing. So it's the lab is called nature.
1: All right, Dr. Del Rio, just to wrap up, we have a question from one of our junior listeners, okay?
2: Okay. Hey, Dr. Del Rio, what's the definition of social distancing? Because my daddy thinks it's taking a nap and then sitting
0: on the driveway and drinking beer with our neighbors.
1: Okay, (laughs) I don't know where this little girl would get that idea, but uh, she wrong. She sounds
2: familiar. Yes, very. Well, I think I think about social distancing and maybe we need to change the term to something called physical distancing. Right. I think we still need to be socially engaged. We still need to talk to each other. We should not be socially isolated. But we need to have physical distance, which means, you know, that six feet distance between me and the next person. So I could be potentially at my porch talking to my neighbor, but let's be sure we're six feet or more apart. And, you know, we talk to each other and we're six or seven feet apart and we can still be you know enjoying ourselves being together, but not being close to each other, being physically distant. And I think that physical distance is critically important in controlling viruses like this one.
0: And to that young lady, I would say, don't worry, Child Protective Services will be over later. (laughs) Dr. Del Rio, thank you so much for your time. I look forward to talking to you again soon.
2: As always, have a good weekend.